right after Sean and I bought a house, I was able to find a job, the dream job, in publishing, so in commercial design, over an hour from the house for $7 an hour part-time. Yeah, I still remember that conversation. Hey, what's up? It's Tori Mathis, your host, and I am here with the one and only Sean Mathis, founder of Miles Street Time Automotive Museum. What's going on? You know, last night I was on my phone and I found this video of the last time we were in Mexico. I went down to speak at a convention and the entire speech was about how being a business owner, there's so much that we just have to figure out out. And I really believe that any of us can figure so much of this stuff out. And I think some people just don't give themselves enough credit for figuring things out. Well, it's easy to go, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And the excuse is there, like it's in your face. Don't do it then, right? It, it's so easy to just say, I, I don't know how to do it. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. And I think that's a lot of times is the big difference between somebody that actually jumps and and, and you know, creates their own business and lifestyle versus the ones that don't. Well, I think it's it's even beyond just your own business, though. Man, does that come in so handy. But I think it's just in life. Like, there are so many things that if you just push just past that point of a little bit of uncomfortableness, um, you can figure anything else, anything out. Uh, when I joined the Army, um, they actually told me when I went down to join that they didn't want me. They had this big, long list of all these different things that I had to do in order to join. But, you know, I had already mentally prepared myself that that's what I was going to do. Um, I wanted money for school. I wanted to travel. I wanted to, you know, leave California. I wanted to go and do other stuff and see other things and meet people. And I decided that that was what I was going to do. And the list that they gave me was shitty. And I had to go through and spend my entire summer figuring out all of those things. One of the things that they said was that I had to have a high school diploma. I switched schools in high school and ended up going to not the greatest high school, had a whole bunch of problems. And so when I was 17, I graduated early. I took my high school proficiency, I moved out and I started working. And I started taking college classes and discovered that it is very, very difficult to take college classes and work and have a, you know your own little household and things like that. And so after several years of doing that, like the army was the direction that I really wanted to go. Um, but the army said, if I didn't have an actual diploma, they would not accept that. They would not accept a GED. It had to be an actual diploma. Um, they, they wouldn't take it. So I actually spent the entire summer and did a year and a half of high school in three months. So, so even though you were, you had less than a year's worth of school or you, you got done early with school, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a diploma. You then had to spend an hour or an hour, <laughs> a year and a half longer just to get that diploma. I spent, it would have been a year and a half because I was a junior when I left. And so I spent three months doing a year and a half of school. Damn. Yeah. While working. So, but, but it was very uncomfortable. I had to travel all the way across town to do it. But I knew that like that was what I needed to take my life to the next step. There was no virtual learning at that there point? There was no virtual learning at that point. I, I may have had a computer. <laughs> well, shit. And how many people do we know that that didn't necessarily have the exact same response from the military, but it, it was similar enough to where they said, ah, 
it was enough of a, a blockage that they wound up never joining. I think that sometimes, and I don't know if it's it's institutions do this or jobs do this or maybe just life does this. Like you don't want everybody going for everything and getting everything, right. if that makes sense. So I think a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of uncomfortable keeps out the people that aren't serious about it anyway. So I think it's good that, that there are some of these complicated things that we have to go through so that like because there's not room always for everybody and everybody can't do every single thing so this kind of keeps out keeps out some of the riffraff well it's some of the the hoops you have to jump through for things are literally just to to prove that you're willing to do it and i think a lot of companies when they hire you you know when you've got to go through the the first interview uh, well, first you, you apply online indeed or something, right? Like that. Then you go through some questionnaire or questionnaire and then maybe you got to write an essay and then you got to do a phone interview and then you got to do a, um, a, a web interview, a, a video interview, and then you can go meet somebody. And it's like, why they're doing all this to see if you'll actually follow through with it because you do enough steps. And I did that when we moved from yeah, Idaho to North Carolina yeah. uh, to, to make that move. I was, I honestly, I was scared to leave corporate world and, and that steady paycheck. And so I wanted to have an actual paying job for us to move across the entire country. Um, and, and I wound up going and finding this this company, Granger, and it was a bunch of hoops to do. I wound up doing video chats with them and, and phone inter- and tons of stuff. And then finally it was like, um, I think ultimately it was my my connection with the, the Air National Guard and the lady that was interviewing me was also in the Air National Guard in North Carolina. And that bond between all the hoops that I jumped through and then we're both on the same page. I got offered the job and we were able to go over there. But I mean, it, it was, I, I, I had never had to experience that before because I started at Pepsi at 19 years old and, you know, my brother got me the job and I kind of just went through there. And then when we moved, it was, uh, I guess becoming a cop was kind of a there was a lot of hoops for that, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, there was physical stuff at that one, too. I mean, there was a lot of different Actually, things. It was nothing the, the, hard, but... No, the cop stuff was a lot. There was all of these, like, personality tests. You there had was. To go there in was a personality a test. There was a physical test. I had to take a... Like, uh, mental evaluations um, and stuff. Like, they didn't want cuckoos in there. And what's it called when you find out if you're lying? Polygraph? Yeah, I had to take a polygraph. There's all kinds of crazy stuff for that one. And again, any of it... None of it was difficult. It was just something I had to do, but... Each one of those steps stopped somebody from going through. Absolutely. Probably a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I got out of the Army, I ended up breaking my hip while I was in. And after September 11th happened, they told me I wasn't fit for duty. And again, like I had a lot to figure out. But because I was injured while I was in the military, I was offered a really great program called Vocational Rehabilitation. Um, But man, they made me do so many things to even see if I qualified for it. And then once I did that, there were very strict rules on what I could do. And I took like a week of all of these different personality tests because they wanted to make sure that if they were going to retrain me as something, if they were going to pay for all of my schooling, that I was going to have to do something that they knew I would be successful in. So all of these tests and things like that were ways that I could tell if I was you know, going to be successful at it. And they told me I was going to be a commercial designer. So, I mean, I could have went in there with all kinds of things and ideas of what I wanted to do, but like that was one of the requirements that I had to do. Totally wasn't the plan. I think it was an awesome one. I think that it totally fits it's, my personality and what fits. I do. Like yeah. it like that it definitely worked that you know that was a, a great, you know, way for me to to move forward. Yeah. 
you had some uh, figuring shit out in the military too. Yeah, uh, initially I was a crew chief on A-10s. That's what I went into the military for. That's what I signed up for. All my bonuses, they all went with being a crew chief on A-10s. Went through a year's worth of training on how to do that. Came back. And mind you, I'm 19 years old at this point uh, by the time I come back. And the whole point of it was to go to school, Air National Guard, um, well, go, to the, uh, <laughs> go to school full-time, and have their National Guard pay for it. And uh, so that's what the plan was. I come back and I find out my parents are getting divorced. Therefore, there's nowhere for me to stay. And the whole going to school thing kind of just didn't happen. And I wound up moving from Idaho to California because that's where my brothers were. My mom decided to move down there. Uh, The guard base at that point was eight and a half hours away, something like that. So to go to a guard drill, and, and it was it was a day to even get there. How long did you do that? I did it for quite a few months. Wow. Um, and and I, the thing is, is I missed a bunch of them. I mean, it... Oh, that gave you a bad it, year, It huh? gave me a bad year. I, I tried super hard. It just... And, and I'm young, and I'm new in the military. I mean, I had everything going against me. Um, initially, I tried to join the guard that was in Sacramento. Um, they didn't have anything that my job actually was going to to uh, be similar as. So the only thing they were offering was to send me back to training. <laughs> I just got back. I was in no interest. I had no interest in going back. They were, would have sent you back, though? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my only other option was to go to Reno, Nevada as a C-130 crew chief. Uh, a completely different aircraft. I actually... Uh, it was a crew chief is the, the job title, but then it, I was more of a specialist in the R&R shops. I worked on flight controls and tires and all that kind of stuff. But I never went to school for that. You know, so I spent a year training on on A-10s just to come back and, and get thrown back into something completely different that I had to learn everything from scratch again. Um, when we moved back to Idaho, did you go back to A-10s? And then when, yeah, and then... Uh, um, well, actually, we, we went to Afghanistan for C-130s and, and did all that kind of stuff. Sean actually was in a C-130 all the way to Afghanistan yeah. from it was from Reno, right? From Reno, yeah. And, and when we moved from California up to Idaho, I then transferred again uh, back to the original base, back to A-10s, which was kind of surreal. And at that point, my year's worth of training on A-10s was about worthless because I only re- remembered so much. So it, it made my military career a lot more difficult than it probably should have been. Yeah. But I did it. You know, I, it, nothing stopped me from being able to do anything. Do you think some people might have been like, oh, I'll have to switch planes and maybe they wouldn't have moved? Because when you're in the Air National Guard or in the reserves, like you're stuck to your base. Like, and so moving bases is probably not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. See, and in my mind, and again, they don't want everybody to very easily, like just no, hop around no, all it, over the place. You got to make it ass. a little bit hard. Yeah. But then again, you know, in my mind, there was no option to be like, well, I got to stay here. I looked for alternatives and I found them. Yeah, when I got out of college for advertising, I ended up um, getting a job at AT and T doing data entry, <laughs> which was definitely not the plan. Um, but right after Sean and I bought a house, I was able to find a job, the dream job, 
in publishing, so in commercial design, over an hour from the house for $7 an hour part-time. Yeah, I still remember that conversation. <laughs> uh, luckily, yeah. uh, at the time, I was making decent money uh, mm -hmm. for Pepsi. And, and so it was one of those things where it's like, I mean, that's what you want to do. Go do it. Otherwise, you go down that rabbit hole of working at a miserable job. It's, it's not what you want to do. That was one of my biggest fears, like even when I was younger, younger, like, because they're always like, figure out what your major is. What's your major? What's your major? And that scared the shit out of me because I saw all these people that spent all this time and all this money going to school. And then they never did what they went to school for. I got lucky. It took one class for me to realize I didn't want to be an architect anymore. <laughs> That's good, though. I think the personality test might be an awesome yeah. thing. Like, whatever personality test I took, and there was a shit ton of them, uh, it definitely was a perfect match for... I, I went literally my entire high school, all four years, wanting to be an architect. I wanted to draw. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm just going to draw houses and floor plans. I, it's fun, right? Uh, but n it never went any farther. I never got to like figure. I, I nobody told me these are the classes you're gonna have to take, and <laughs> n none of this other stuff that went with actually being an architect. So, you know, a after all the military drama and divorce drama of my parents, and I finally go back to uh, community college, which is when I meet Tor Tori. Uh, I, I finally get started on what it takes to be an architect, and that that very first AutoCAD class. I lost interest completely. Do you think that was a bad teacher or you just, it just really wasn't for you? Uh, it was definitely a bad teacher. Um, I, I, yeah, and I don't know. I just, I might've had a reality check and, and, you know, things change just because I wanted to do and be something for four years. Doesn't mean I have to live with that forever. That's true. My, my, my circumstances changed and I didn't want to go down that route. And I, you know, I wound up, getting a general business degree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, which served as a box check for several jobs that you had. Um, but yeah. yeah. I got paid a little bit more for Pepsi. Uh, it gave me a little bit more when I was a police officer. It was uh, intended to make me an officer in the military. Um, so it yeah. gave us student loans to pay off forever. Yeah, yeah those are fun. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I think all of this figuring stuff out and pushing through all these times really prepared us for being an entrepreneur because I know there's since you've started your business, there's several times that you've asked me, like, well, like, what about this kind of stuff? And and there was a lot of stuff I had to figure out and I was able to. Luckily, I came with luckily I came with some QuickBooks experience because I did some office management stuff. I took a couple of QuickBooks classes and I think that was one of the best things that I think I have brought <laughs> into mm. our um, you know, our business world. So I'm glad that I had that, that we were really able to kind of um, have a kind of like a foundation of some accounting type stuff with it. But there's been just so much stuff that we've had to really figure out, like, because nobody trained me. I didn't go to a business school. I, and even if you go to business school, it's not like you're taught how to run a business. Like, no, and that's not the like the day to day, like, no, no. Now, even <laughs> after I got that business degree, and an associates in uh, mar uh, management, business management. Uh, in my, you know, they tell you, you get these degrees and then you go out and get these great jobs. So, I mean, at the time, I had applied for hundreds of jobs, uh, all management. You know, like I got a business degree, I got a management degree. I deserve to be in management, <laughs> right? 
nobody would hire me. Well, you don't have any experience. You just have a piece of paper. But they don't tell you that shit when no, you have don't. to get all the student loans. Oh, my gosh. I went to school for advertising. But once I had my own business, I didn't know how to get customers. I didn't know how to market. Yes, I could make some like billboard or some advertising, right. like, you know, some magazine advertising campaign. But as for like legitimately how to run a business and how to market, like I just had to test stuff. <laughs> See, and I think a lot of that's going to be the OJT type stuff. Really I mean, you, you can read as many books and have people tell you everything under the sun, but until you actually go out there and attempt to do something yourself, you have no idea. Do you think that people don't do stuff because they think they need to already know how to do it before they actually I do. do and it? I think people are afraid to fail and you shouldn't be. Mm-mm. No, because it's some of those big failures and I'm like, ooh. Uh, miles, miles through time, for example. You know, when that opportunity fell on our laps to to go and do that, my first instinct was to not do it. Why? Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That wasn't my first instinct. Yeah, to, again, Tori, uh, and there's, there's going to be more in the future we'll talk about. But for this, I had, like, I like cars, but... Let's do it. I don't know anything <laughs> about this kind of stuff. Well, and at the time, I had just left corporate world. You know, so I had only been working full time with Tori for... Not very long. Very short amount of time. So my mental state is not what it is today. I was still, you know, paycheck to paycheck kind of steady type things. So now all of a sudden I, I quit that. And now we got to create this new business thing. I, I don't know what I'm doing on it, but we wound up doing it. And but and, and see, that's the thing, though. It's like it is OK if you don't know what you're doing. No. And the thing is, is. I would have regretted it for the rest of my life if we wouldn't have at least tried. And the thing is, is it wasn't like we we went into it and it was a, a instant success. You know, no issues, super profitable. This shit was hard. I mean, it was a lot of time, a lot of money. Uh, there was three years we didn't make anything. You know, but even though you didn't know what you were doing... You've come a long way and it's taken a little while to figure things out and it's taken a while to kind of um, kind of find your way. There's been some big changes like moving locations, um, you know, but it's it's not something that I think should have ever stopped you. No. And that's I mean, that was the key thing you said is it it took a while to figure it out. But ultimately, I did figure it out and, and you figured out a whole lot and together. We figured out how to make this thing work. So even though, you know, we didn't make a whole lot of money or any money initially, um, the learning experience from all this was massive. That then is a stepping stone to where we got next. I think something that I've realized, and I I think it's good to like look back at the past experiences that you've had, because then you can kind of give yourself a little bit more credit for things that you've gone through. Um, Because I think we kind of forget or downplay some of the things that we've done. But I think something, and we've talked about this before, that I am totally okay with a setback. Because every time we have these setbacks, this like, you know, like, what the fuck are we going to do? Like, that is when, like, big stuff comes afterwards. It's just like that getting down to, like, jump right back up. Like, you have to have these setbacks. You have to have these hard times to figure it out. You have to go through those times in order to bump up to that next spot. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Plus, it makes you appreciate it that much more. You know, it just, it means more when you, when you had that little step back and now all of a sudden, you know, you've propelled yourself forward again. Uh, like it, it feels good and you need those wins. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's important. But to get those wins, you have to have that setback. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's, you know, part of the journey. And and I've, I've come to kind of embrace it a little bit. Like, I remember the first time that we lost like a really big client that they decided, you know, for whatever reason, we, we parted on good terms and it was like, you know, a big chunk of, you know, the, the money that we had bringing in and it scared the living doo doo out of me. Which was right, I think it was right about the time we started Most Miles time. Time. <laughs> Man, we had moved not that long ago. Yeah, we had, we had just moved to a beautiful home on the lake. Mm-hmm. And then miles to time started and we lost our biggest paying client. Biggest paying client. Yeah. And it was, I, I was a little bit nervous there, but you know, like it's amazing that like, uh, a, a, you know, we've lost other clients before, you know, or, you know, since then and everything. And now like, I'm like, it's cool. Cause it makes room because you only have so much bandwidth for anything, whether it's, uh, you know, kids events or business or clients, or there, there's only so much bandwidth you have. So when you lose something like that, it, it's sometimes you just got to make some room for new stuff to come in. It's one of the main reasons this podcast hasn't been going for two years, three years. You only have so much bandwidth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, and sometimes like the, some things have to be moved around and sometimes things have to be uncomfortable for a while. Like when we, when I took the $7 an hour job that was part time, like we had to cut back a little bit, you know, we didn't go out as much. We didn't eat out, you know, we didn't do some of those things uh, until things built back up. And you know what? That ended up being one of the greatest jobs that I ever had. It gave me so many skills that I still do today, like job costing type things that my job, my uh, boss taught me there, like how to figure out like some of these like amazing skills that I got that you would never think, you know, that I would have got from some part time job. But I was able to work there long enough and work my way up and the experience that I got there is, you know, still using that today. I used it this week. Well, before the economy crashed, it turned into the high-paying dream job, uh, and then the economy crashed. But it, it is the it it is the reason you are an entrepreneur right now. Absolutely, because when I went to college, yeah, it, that was not the plan. I never even thought of that. No. I never thought of having my own agency or being a freelancer or anything like that. I was just going to you know, try to get a job. You were going to get a high-paying job, and I, <laughs> I was going to try to get paid as much as I could yeah. at Pepsi. I mean, that was the initial plan. Yeah, the publishing house that I worked for was all real estate clients. And when the real estate market crashed, uh, we ended up you know, going from like 55 clients to like three in just a couple months. And we had some people like leave without paying. I mean, it, it was pretty disastrous. You had, you had the owner completely step away. So you, you eventually at the end there, you were running this company. Well, yeah, uh, you you could definitely say yeah. that. But I, I think she knew it was going to go, oh, go she, under. She knew. And so <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she did like, not go down with the ship. No, she did. She left her, her first mate there. <laughs> But that's okay. Uh, it's again, though, fucking shit happens. Like, it sucks. It's a fantastic experience, though, to <sighs> to be at the helm of a business going down that although wasn't yours, you got to experience what that's like. Well, right. And it's really hard, though, because I didn't get to, like, it was so out of my control. Like, I had no say in things (laughs) ever, right, until, like, that very end when it was all going down. Um, I'm the one that had to actually call the big owner and let him know exactly what was going on. Um, yeah, it was weird. Like it it was definitely a crazy time. Um, but you know, looking now at like all this coronavirus stuff, 
it, it's very similar that like a lot of people losing their jobs or closing up businesses or I mean, these kind of things like they happen. And um, I think that though that the, though they're hard and though there's difficult times, sometimes we just we need to shake things up a little bit. Well, we had one client who's in South Carolina and he owns a bar and we do his website and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and when all this Corona stuff started happening, I talked to him on the phone and together he was on the same page as me. We were just like, you just got to get through, you know, this as long as you possibly can. And the game is to outlast everyone else. Yeah. And he did. And even though we're not out of this yet, I mean, he's already come out on top. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that was just a, a mental state. Instead of giving up and going, I, I can't do this. You know, okay. Nobody, n- nobody right now as a business owner any, has any experience in what we're currently going through. Right, this right. is all new. So it's easy to be overwhelmed and be like, I can't do this. I freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was cool. And then there was like this one day that I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I freaked out. And it took me a couple weeks. And then I was like, okay, we got this. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, You know, you're right. Nobody's gone through this, you know, and in 2008 with the real estate agents and stuff like that, the ones that did hold on and didn't just leave and go do stuff, maybe they're the ones that they're the real estate agents. You know what I mean? Sometimes some of those, um, especially like there's a lot of people that aren't really real estate agents. They're bored or they're, that's a bridge job. It's kind of in between. I know a lot of real estate agents. That actually are real estate or that just kind of do it on the side. Oh, they, it seems like there's lots of side people. Yeah. So if you, if something bad happens or you have a little bit of these difficult times, like if it's not really like your thing, like that's the time that people do jump ship. Like, or if you've already decided that, you know, you're not a hundred percent in, you know, when you're a hundred percent in, I think it's a little bit easier to push through um and you know all of these times have just made it that like okay mental note maybe this i need to prepare a little bit differently just in case this happens whatever your buffer is you know have some type of contingency plans um but the next thing that's going to happen we're not going to know how to go through it either you know Mm -hmm. and hopefully we hold on hopefully it's still our thing um and hopefully we can figure it out because that's just part of being a business owner part of being a damn human that's right you just gotta figure things out and I hope that people realize that, that, you know, you can figure these things out, whatever it is. 